Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is September the 28th, and just one year ago today, Ian came buzzing through. What a a mess it created. Nevertheless, it looks like everything's clear on the horizon right now. We're pleased about that. Well, on this day in 1941, the last day of the Major League Baseball regular season, the Boston Red Sox' Ted Williams got six hits and eight at-bats during a doubleheader in Philadelphia, boosting his average to 6406. He became the first player since 1930 to hit 400. I guess I'll be satisfied with that thrill out, out there today. He told the uh, Boston Globe about hitting 400. He never wanted anything harder in my life, he said. <clears throat> in addition to his 406 batting average, no major league player since Williams has, has hit 400. The left fielder led the big leagues with 37 homers, 135 uh, runs, and a selecting percentage of 735. He was nicknamed the Splendid Splinter, the Thumper, and began his big league career with the Red Sox in 1939. In 1942, he won the American League Triple Crown for the highest batting average, most RBIs, and home runs. He won the Triple Crown again in 1947. In 46 to 49, he was named the American League's most valuable player, and in June 1960, became the fourth player in Major League history to hit 500 homers. He was selected to the All Star team 17 times. What a great baseball player he was. Williams, who spent his entire career with the Red Sox, played his final game on September the 28th, 1960, at Boston's Fenway Park. He homered in his final at-bat, giving him 521 uh, homers for his career. Williams retired with a lifetime batting average of 344, can you imagine? And a 483 career on base percentage and 2,654 hits. His achievements were all the more impressive because his career was interrupted twice for military service. He was in the Marine Corps, he was a pilot during World War II and the Korean War, and as a result, missed nearly five major league seasons. Can you imagine? Williams, who was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 66, managed the Washington Senators from 69 to uh, 72. In 1984, the Boston Red Sox retired his number, number nine. William died of cardiac arrest at age 83 on July the 5th, 2002 in Florida. In a controversial move, his son <clears throat> sent his father's body to be frozen at a cryonics laboratory. He had unbelievable vision. Uh, 1520, I believe it is, or 1020, uh, Ted Williams, just maybe one of the greatest ball players that ever lived. And I'll mention also, of course, Brooks Robinson passed just this past week, a great uh, shortstop and third baseman for the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Well, Fox News contributor Mark Penn analyzed the second Republican debate with a Democrat's point of view. The former Bill and Hillary Clinton pollster wrote, President Joe Biden went to sleep after the second Republican debate on Wednesday night, knowing that the big event in Simi Valley, 
uh, left the GOP no closer to consolidating around a candidate against Donald Trump. The former president remains the likely nominee in the two-hour debate. Bidenomics came out mostly unscathed. They hardly even talked about it. Uh, I personally did not watch the debate. I watched uh, uh, Trump's uh, presentation in uh, in uh, Michigan. It's really terrific. The seven Republican candidates mostly discussed immigration, crime, former President Donald Trump, and virtually anything other than the economy. They all talk tough, but not uh, that responsibly, and that is the opening opening for Democrats. Each of these candidates played to conservatives, isolating themselves for wider constituencies than uh, elect to elect presidents, uh, Penn determined. So that's his point of view. Liz Peake also chimed in. She offered her uh, to... Uh, she said they're their biggest winners and losers in this debate. She writes, expectations are everything in life, and they certainly were key in the outcome of the uh, second Republican debate at the Reagan Library. Uh, the winner of the evening was Ron DeSantis, our governor, who ha- uh, were, whom expectations were low. The audience was reminded of his achievements and why the Florida governor is running second to the GOP uh, primary polls. Helped by low expectations, DeSantis had a good night. <clears throat> he may not bounce between the polls, but he should have stopped the bleeding, Peak said. Offering her take on the event's uh, evening's biggest loser, uh, she said, with respect for Mike Pence, Chris Christie, and uh, Doug Burgum to drop out of the race. The race is hurtling towards a make-or-break point for low-polling contenders. They're running out of, up against both the third-quarter fundraising deadline, a major gauge for candidates' durability, and more stringent requirements to qualify for future debates. Fewer contestants would mean less fighting for airtime and less bickering that would be a relief. Uh, that, according to uh, Liz Peek. So didn't watch the debate myself. There's not a lot of news on it. didn't ca- capture a lot of uh, attention on the news. Former President Donald Trump, of course, uh, said Wednesday at the 2024 presidential campaign rally in Michigan that the only time President Biden ever gets his hands dirty is when he takes money from other countries. The only time Biden has ever gotten his hands dirty is when he's taking cash from the foreign countries, which is quite often, Trump said, in a battleground state. Uh, Biden has been under scrutiny from Republicans and others for allegedly being involved in profiting from his son Hunter Biden's overseas business deals, including ones in China and Ukraine. Based on what we're seeing, it's more than anyone would have thought, Trump said, amid his new memos released by the GOP-led House, which on Thursday will hold its first, that'll be today, first inquiry hearing on the impeaching of Biden. Trump skipped the second GOP debate Wednesday, last night, in California to give a speech at the United Auto Workers Union in Michigan, where they are on strike. Trump is the current front-runner, In the 2024 GOP presidential primary, he won Michigan in 2016 by about 11,000 votes. It will likely need to win it again to uh, win the presidency. The strike is aimed at three Detroit factories uh, following a failure to reach agreements over increased wages and other issues with the major American automakers. He also took a shot at electric vehicles, calling them too expensive. They don't go far enough, and they're too expensive, Trump stated in in his comments. He was on fire really appreciated the enthusiasm he was met with uh, by the auto workers. It's really terrific. And by the way, advertisers paid a premium for airtime during the first Republican debate on Fox News, but it looks like they got a major discount during the second round of the debates. Semaphore 
uh, reviewed this rating the uh, network shared with one prospective ad buyer for both the first and second primary debates. For the first debate, the cost of a 30-second single ad topped $495,000. But the same 30-second ad spot during Wednesday last night, the debate cost just a little over $200,000. It's a big discount. Another ad buyer did not share the rates for ads running during the first debate, but confirmed that Fox was charging $225,000 for 30-second ads during the broad broadcast immediately after the event and $125,000 for the 30-second spots during the broadcast before it. So there you go. Uh, the proof positive that there's just not a lot of excitement about uh, these debates. Well, home prices surged in July, even while interest rates jumped higher. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-City House Price Index rose a seasonally adjusted 0.9% in July, the sixth month of increasing home prices. Compared with a year ago, house prices are up 0.1%. A month earlier, they had been down on an annual basis by 1.2%. The index has hit a new all-time high in July. The 20-City House Price Index is considered the gold standard on home price barometers. The narrower 10th city index, which tracks prices in the largest metro areas, rose 0.8% in July compared with a year ago. This 10th city index is up 0.9%. A month earlier, the index was showing an annual price decline of 0.5%. The broader national index rose a seasonally adjusted 0.6% in July. Compared with a year ago, the index showed prices up 1%, up from flat a month ago. The surge in home prices is likely partially the result of a dearth of homes being sold by owners, so in other words, supply. Most homeowners locked in mortgage rates much lower than they're available for new home loans, so in fact, people are saying, well, you know what, I may prefer to move to a larger place or some other place, but uh, right now, I'm not, I don't want to lose the loan that I have right now. As a result, many owners are feel anchored to their current homes. <clears throat> this is so interesting. Unprocessed foods, ultra-processed foods, I should say, a new study found that there could be a link between eating large amounts of ultra-processed foods and depression. While there's a lot of data linking such foods to uh, physical health issues like strokes, heart attacks, and high blood pressure, this is the first significant study that suggests that eating ultra-processed foods and drinks could increase the chances of depression. The study specifically calls out beverages with artificial sweeteners. <coughs> so interesting. Well, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, along with 17 state uh, attorneys general, sued Amazon this week. Allegedly, the $1.3 trillion e-commerce giant violated antitrust laws by inflating prices, overcharging sellers, and stifling competition. Excuse me, please. The anticipated lawsuit against Amazon comes after a four-year probe and focuses on two business areas, online marketing and its fulfillment services, which the latter referring to a network of warehouses and delivery vans. The FTC claims uh, Amazon's marketplace restricts third-party sellers from offering a cheaper price than is what is available on Amazon. Otherwise, Amazon allegedly buries the seller in its uh, search results, the regulator also claims Amazon forces sellers to use its fulfillment services, limiting the market for independent providers. It's so strange. I've, uh, I've always found Amazon to be offering terrific prices, so this is kind of news to me, but nevertheless, I'm sure they've got their proof. The FTC asked the federal court in Seattle to consider directing Amazon to make it structural changes 
to its business but didn't specify a course of action. The FTC suit uh, follows separate federal antitrust suits against Alphabet's Google and uh, Meta Facebook uh, as well. Well, House Republicans passed an amendment yesterday to slash Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's annual salary to $1, a legislative maneuver they've been uh, vowing to pull in the attempt to censure Biden cabinet members whom they think have failed to adequately do their jobs. The amendment was introduced by uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia during the debate over the first 2024 spending bill. This is the first time in 118th Congress the Holman rule has been used to hold a Biden official accountable. It's time for more, Green wrote on social media, referring to a House rule dating back to 1870s, which allows amendments to appropriations legislation that would reduce the salary of specific federal employees. Uh, the measure passed, well, I watched it yesterday, passed by voice vote. Austin critics say the military under his leadership has become woke and is headed in the wrong direction. And that's his critics saying that. He says he pushed back on criticism, saying any notion that service members are woke or that our military is woke, you know, I take issue with because it's just not true. Well, of course, there's a lot of evidence that it is. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com is the website. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Jonas with Gulf Coast International Properties. The number is 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. We have with us Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, I'd be happy to. Uh, Florida Citizens Alliance is a coalition uh, of uh, grassroots folks across uh, Florida, frankly. Uh, we've grown to over 260,000 people in our active database. Wow. Uh, we, ha- and we have uh, relationships with literally over 100 uh, uh, groups here in Florida and uh, and, and, you know, leaders in, uh, at the grassroots level. We focus on K-12 through education, um, and what that means to us is we get very involved in fighting for parental rights, in uh, fighting for um, in school choice, parental school choice, and, of course, getting rid of the uh, indoctrination and pornography that's in our schools. Again, goflca.com or goflca.org. Either website works. It's a terrific organization. And I must say, the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance's fingerprints are all over legislation in the last 10 years. And I think it accounts for the, one of the reasons we've had such an improvement in Florida school, schools here in Florida. Keith, congratulations on what you've done. Well, uh, we've got a great team. And uh, uh, literally, and it sounds like uh, this isn't very... Uh, humble, but uh, no one else is, uh, in, in our opinion, is having the impact on our, uh, positive impact on our kids and, and giving them the opportunity for uh, some great education versus what's going on in our government schools. Couldn't agree more. I, again, goflca.com is the website. So, Keith, uh, before we move into education, public education, I'd like I uh, know that uh, you were involved in uh, the debate about re- raising taxes here in Collier County. Maybe you could tell us about what happened. Well, there's two sides to that. One good news, one bad news. We uh, we get involved. We have what uh, what we call a kids first team here uh, in in a number of counties, but here in Collier County, uh, we got involved in trying to convince the school board not to raise their taxes 10.66 percent. Uh, Kelly Lichter flipped on us and uh, voted to, for that. So uh, all of our uh, um, residents in Florida, particularly those that aren't homesteaded, uh, will see a, a significant increase. Uh, in the same to- token, we got involved with the Board of County Commission. Uh, they were propose- proposing to raise our taxes almost 11 percent. Uh, we worked with uh, uh, the, the, the board. Uh, we now have a conservative board. Uh, four of them signed a no tax increase pledge. 
And it wasn't clear they were going to honor that until uh, a lot of the work that was done by us and several other groups. Uh, long story short, they voted for the rollback rate, which means no tax increase. Uh, and they challenged their uh, staff uh, to find $62 million worth of savings over the next couple of months from a budget point of view. So that is a huge win for those of, uh, those of us that believe in a, you know, less government and more efficient government. Right, and I think the millage rate for a school board uh, stayed the same, but because of the expanding number of, the, of, uh, number of people in Collier County, it's going to expand the revenue. And your fight was to basically say, no, we want it to well hap- happen the way it happened in, in Collier County, which is basically to lower the millage rate so the taxes don't increase. Yeah, and under Florida law, and I can state the law if you're, if you're interested, but <clears throat> under Florida law, a tax increase is any time you take the millage rates times the, the property values, which have gone up 70%, 17%, if, if that generates more revenue than last year, that's a tax increase. Right. Uh, the school board uh, was trying to tell people, uh, and it's just frankly an outright lie, they were trying to tell uh, the, you know, the voters that since they were going to hold the millage rates, um, that was a, not a tax increase. Right. Well, with 70% increase in uh, property values, it, was, uh, it generated you know, like $121 million more in tax revenue. Yeah, That's a tax increase. Well, you know, until you get better results from the school system in here in Collier County, we just uh, shouldn't be, they shouldn't be getting any more money. And uh, again, I just come back to something you've told us many times is the uh, uh, reading level is, or, or the uh, ability to read in fifth grade, for example, is as low as, I think it's 58%. Right. No, it's terrible. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we just have a very inefficient operation. We have about, round numbers, 7,000. Uh, employees in our in our call your school system, and four thousand of those round numbers are overhead, yeah. and only three thousand teachers. Yeah. Uh, we we that I mean that, that you don't have to be maze bright to understand that's upside down, right? Absolutely, Keith. Can you give us some insight on some of the important legislation you're looking at in uh, for the next legislative session? Yeah, actually, the first committee week was last week. Uh, we're working, we have an agenda of 11 items. Um, I, I obviously don't have time to go through all of them, but we're fighting uh, to get rid uh, to get rid of the, the, the pornography that's in our school systems. Uh, we want an opt-in versus an opt-out, so parents are in charge. Uh, we really would like to expand the HOPE scholarship so that parents fleeing government schools can use that money to homeschool their child. Right now, they can't do that. Mm. Um, I think you uh, interview from time to time Taryn Bragdon on your show, don't you? On occasion, yes. Yeah, uh, we're teaming up with Taryn and Foundation for Government Accountability on a couple of issues that are on our agenda that he's interested in. And uh, one of those is expanding the competition in online schools. Right now, it's a monopoly. Uh, And he's also very interested in... uh, one of our issues, which is to um, give um, residents, voters, the, the right to recall local officials. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, uh, so we've got some interesting stuff going on. Uh, frankly, with the governor running for president, I think it's going to be a pretty um, quiet year relative to education. I hope I'm wrong because there's some things that need to be seriously addressed. Uh, but we're going to do our best to, to get those moving, and we'll see what happens uh, uh, as, as the 
process proceeds. Absolutely. Well, of course, uh, collaboration with other organizations to get things done is just a terrific idea. Uh, Taryn Bragdon is the uh, founder and president, CEO of the uh, uh, gov- uh, the uh, uh, government of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the um, they, Foundation, Foundation for, for Government Accountability. I probably serve on the board, but I'm a little lost for words, as you can see. <laughs> So, and nevertheless, I wanted to get that in. So, well, Keith, uh, before I let you go, I know you've got some important uh, information going on uh, fundraising. Yeah, it's it's always a challenge to do what we do. We're a 501c3, so uh, finding investors to to help us uh, fight for our kids and the future of our country is uh, really, really critical to us. Uh, We have, uh, we're just finishing uh, a... um, what we call our 2023 Liberty Challenge. Our goal is to raise a quarter of a million dollars. We still have a ways to go. Uh, we have an event on uh, October 10th, which will culminate that uh, three-month fundraising effort at the Hilton. You can go to our website, uh, buy tickets for $202.40. Kind of a weird number, but think about it. That's 2024, so we're looking to the future. And uh, we'd love to have... Uh, your listeners uh, come engage and, and help us uh, fight for our kids. Uh, it's a great organization, and it's a great way to contribute and also to have a wonderful evening. So, again, goflca.com or goflca.org. The website's uh, either one goes to the same place and uh, gets you great information on education in the uh, state of Florida. Just really appreciate your commentary here on the show, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, I proudly serve on the board, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Uh, that means that what we want is for you to be free to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. Uh, and as I said before, that doesn't sound like a very controversial proposition, but in Washington, D.C., it is extremely controversial and uh, was even a controversial proposition, I think, in the uh, Republican presidential debate last night. Then the yeah, website is Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Well, let's talk about that. I didn't watch the debate. I've been looking for commentary from others. Uh, not a lot of attention to it right now, but I, I will say that, by, by the way, I watched the president up at the United Auto Workers. It was just an astounding performance on his part. But what were your thoughts? What did you take from the debate? So the, pres- the former President Trump was not there. Uh, he's the front runner in the GOP field. So it was a little bit silly for that reason, uh, uh, because you didn't even have the front runner in the debate. It was all silly because the candidates just kept shouting over each other like a bunch of uh, children. Michael, are you there? Sounds like we may have one walked. point that they were having this debate at the Ronald Reagan Library. Right. I w- 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 uh, several points that Fox Business, which was airing it, would just cut to the Reagan Bush debate from 1980, which was a much more civilized and thoughtful and intellectual enterprise where the two candidates were respectful to each other and they exchanged ideas and information. And uh, there wasn't a lot of that going on here. But they did. Um, uh, and, and part of my frustration, I guess, was when it came to health care, everything was just drove home that Republicans just don't prioritize health care reform. Uh, they got a couple questions the candidates did about health care, and I think they flubbed all of them. And they made claims that were uh, that were just not plausible, like Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina said that she wanted to eliminate what we call certificate of need regulation. That is when a hospital has to get a permission slip from the government before it enters the market. Right. Before it tries to provide you something better than what's already out there, they have to get permission from the government. And when the government has that hearing, guess who shows up and tries to stop that new hospital from getting that certificate? All all the existing hospitals. Right. It's a terrible regulation. Nikki, uh, Nikki Haley said that she would get rid of it, but it's a state regulation. The federal government doesn't have anything to do with these certificate of need laws. <laughs> it's, it's a state matter. And when she was the governor of, 
when she became governor of South Carolina, South Carolina <clears throat> was a certificate of need state, and it was still a certificate of need state when she left the governor's mansion. So interesting. So, so, uh, so not a whole lot of credibility there. And your own governor, Ron DeSantis, got a question or two about health care, and I think he totally flubbed them. They, they, he got a question about why don't, well, why is the uninsured rate in Florida higher than in other states? And that was a chance to just, he could have knocked that out of the park if he said, well, one reason uh, is that uh, Obamacare has driven up the price of insurance, of health insurance so much that a lot of people cannot afford it. And another reason is that, uh, oh, and then he, but what he could have said was in order I feel like we've lost uh, the chain there of uh, discussion. To purchase insurance from U.S. territory, which is exempt from Obamacare, and that therefore could have premiums that are uh, 50% lower, uh, that offer coverage that people want and doesn't require them to buy coverage they don't want, and that does not have the incentives that Obamacare has to make the quality of health insurance worse for the sickest enrollees. Uh, he, he could have talked to, uh, you know, he could have given an answer that both educated the public about how awful Obamacare is and about how much better individual choice and market competition would be. Totally flubbed that answer. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a shame too because uh, healthcare should be on the, it's on everybody's mind because the cost of healthcare is going to be going up dramatically this year, as I understand it. Up, for example, eight percent, as I understand. The other that what was disappointing to me is how little about the, uh, the uh, debate centered on Bidenomics and the the economic situation here in the United States. Yeah, I think that they did take uh, a couple of swipes at him, but <clears throat> look, none of them seem to have a command of market economics and what it takes to produce prosperity like Ronald Reagan did in that clip of the 1980 debate that I went and watched when I, when I was getting sick of, of these candidates. Uh, there's, uh, there's no one out there uh, uh, making that case. And, uh, you know, they gave, they gave Mike Pence an opportunity to do that. They said, you tried to repeal Obamacare in 2017, it didn't work. Are you still going to try to repeal it? What do you want to do about health care? And what Mike Pence did was he went into a diatribe about uh, executing people, uh, executing uh, people who, who do mass shootings. So apparently his Obamacare <laughs> repeal plan is to execute people. I don't know how those things relate. I don't think he's long for the debate stage anyhow. I, he, I, that there's a, we're going to lose some candidates because of uh, the, the new requirements, which will mean uh, the amount of money that's brought in and as well as the voting percentage. And uh, I think Pence, uh, Christie, Chris Christie, and uh, uh, perhaps one other, but will no longer be on the debate stage. Yeah, that's another problem. Is there are too many people up there, um, and uh, and that is not conducive to civility because they're all trying to uh, joust for attention and for, to get in that soundbite that everyone's going to remember tomorrow. And, right. And and I think they just all ended up looking like children. Yeah, as one person called them, the Keebler Elves. 
Lab. <laughs> Again, Michael Cannon, the <laughs> Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you visit the very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, really appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great to be here. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so much, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. The task of moving us towards less government is getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, that's because there's, 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 there's more money on the other side. There's more money to be made, uh, Tony, you know, pairing up with big government. Well, I'll tell you, I had a former congressman tell me, he only served a couple of terms, but he said, Bob, we've got the best government that money can buy. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a friend who... Uh, got elected in the 2010 wave and, and he said it's it's so much worse than you think <laughs> he said it's just it's so completely corrupt it's, it's, it's 
he he got thrown out by corrupt Paul Ryan. Yeah, he was accused. He was accused of harassing a staffer. It was proven to be untrue. The there's a uh, have you heard about this? Uh, let's discuss this just for a second. Okay. People complain about there's a secret panel that handles sexual harassment charges against congressmen. And the reason they do that is because they don't just sue the congressman, they also sue the Congress. And there's a, there's a panel of six former members, three Democrats, three Republicans, that review each case. And in his instance, all six said, this is ridiculous, it's not true, he's innocent. And then Paul Ryan threw him under the bus anyway because a woman congresswoman, um, Republican, who's not even in Congress anymore, came and said, he's got to go. He needs to go. Hmm. So Ryan threw him under the bus. So I hate Ryan for the rest of my days just for that. So, yeah, it, it's a completely corrupt institution. And, you know, there's I, I don't know how you get to less government when you can't even get these people to stop lining, you know, feathering their own nest. Well, it's kind of interesting to see what's going on right now with regard to the debt ceiling. Uh, the budget, I should say, as well as uh, uh, the impeachment hearings. But you wrote a You'll top. notice no part of the discussion is we owe thirty-three plus trillion dollars. That's not part of the discussion. Well, um, you know, we've 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 taken the one bullet the Congress, the, the founding fathers gave Congress out of the gun, which is shutting down the government. Yeah. What we've lost sight of is the founding fathers wanted a government so small it would be utterly insignificant to daily domestic life. And the argument that's made now is how disruptive it would be to shut down the federal government. Well, it's not supposed to be big enough to be disruptive. That's right. And it, I, and, find and, it, and I find now, it ironic that there was no problem uh, shutting down a $20 trillion uh, private sector for, for a couple years, and now they're concerned and wringing right, hands exactly. about it. Shutting down the government. You know what? Uh, in my view, we should shut Which, down. By the way, shuts down every Friday at five p.m. for forty-eight hours. For, it, you know, sixty hours. Absolutely. Um, and and, and it, of course, it's only part of the government. It's like fourteen percent of the government. And and um, you know, I, I always uh, you know one of the things that indicated when I moved back to DC in '06, one of the things that leapt out at me. I went to a meeting early, early on in 2010. When, right, you know, right over 2011, right after the Republicans took over. And um, I said, there are 800,000 non-essential federal person, uh, uh, hires. 800,000 people that the own employer says we don't need. Right. Why don't you guys highlight this every time there's a government shutdown? And they won't do it. Right. Why? Because they're in on the scam. Right. No they're question. in on the scam. They don't want to admit that that's true. They want to. They want this giant apparatus in place, and so yeah, it's just it's completely ridiculous. Well, I must say, a guy who's got some power is uh, Matt Gates. Uh, Gates and um, Gates. Gates, yeah. yeah, and he's he's uh, really standing up for uh, holding the the speaker accountable for uh, the uh, uh, going creating the twelve budget items that the, are the that promises he made to get across the finish line after fifteen speaker votes. Yeah. Exactly, and. Uh, I think, uh, quite frankly, he's in between a rock and a hard spot. I hope he. I hope what my hope happens is we end up going passing all of these budget items. I think there's 12 of them, and uh, and let the government shut down. And once it gets through the House, the Senate, and the signed by the president, then we can open the government again. 
Well, and that's the thing. And again, we're 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 tinkering with the margins because obviously the biggest drivers of the debt are Social Security and Medicare, which everyone, no one, again, we're not talking about that. But those programs are at least a hundred trillion dollars short in the next thirty years, and together they represent well over forty percent, maybe even half of the federal budget. And so these cuts we're looking to you know, enact with these 12 or 13 appropriations bills are, uh, are in, you know, rounding errors compared to what the actual problems are. You, you so are. Again, we're getting into this, we're getting our, we're getting our undergarments in a twist about shutting down a government that is completely irrelevant, should be completely irrelevant to existence over spending cuts that are completely irrelevant to the actual problems we face in Washington, D.C., so well said, and it's absolutely well, true. Welcome to the docudrama that is, that, you know, the, the bad television show that is Washington, D.C. See, I remember uh, the last time we had a government shutdown, I had one personal inconvenience. A government uh, website that I checked often well, was closed down during the uh, sh- shutdown of the government. <laughs> Other than that, absolutely no And again, they didn't have to do that. Yeah, you're there right. Was no, there was no need to shut down the website. It costs a nickel a day right. to keep the website running um you know they, they do these things you know to, to inc- you know artificially create an impact when there really isn't one um it's it, you know i've i've thought about this now that i've moved to belize i'm like what do i get for my u.s citizenship other than a dull throbbing pain in my ass because i still you know i pay these huge taxes i don't live there um, I, I had these IOUs for Social Security and Medicare for when I turned 65. They're a fraction of what I put into the program. Right. And by the time I get there, both the programs will be broken, gone, and I won't get a penny. So at some point, you have to say, what am I getting for, for this thing called U.S. citizenship? I, I, I know conservatives get very upset when I say things like this, but I have to remind them, you're in love with the idea of the United States of America, yeah. which is blinding you to the United States of America as currently constituted. Well, I say this often, and I'll say it again because it's so true. Mark Twain said, you know, you should uh, be loyal to your country and support your country and support your government when it deserves it. There is a difference. Well, w- w- what it is is, is the, the, the U.S., say the, say the U.S., uh, the, the United States, the country, is a, a body, a human being. And DC's a gigantic cancerous tumor. Right. And at this point, I think the tumor has killed the host. Norm MacDonald, the late comedian, who died of cancer and kept it very secret. No one knew he had cancer. He just died one day. But, and there were little signs of indication in interviews in the last several years before he passed away. And one of the great lines he said was, you know, they always say when someone dies of cancer, they say cancer wins. Isn't it a tie? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, because when the person dies, the cancer dies, too. It's a tie. Yeah, um, and I think, I think we're reaching that point where I, I, I'm afraid the, the foreign body is on the verge of killing the host. Absolutely. See, you know, I wanted to talk to you about your column, uh, Kroger Albertsons and JetBlue Spirit, merger Biden uh, should block these things, but they are. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to refer our listeners to the website. Your website is lessgovernment.org. Check out, check out uh, Seton's most interesting articles, including this one. It's really terrific. You can also uh, find out more about Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be ready in 2024. You can find out more and get tickets to some great performances. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, my pleasure. Um, I, uh, I had asked you uh, if you watched the uh, debate last night, and uh, I think you said you watched uh, you watched Trump uh, address the UAW. That's correct. Yeah. I... Well, I'm um, I'm sure he was a heck of a lot better than <laughs> they, we 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 literally. Um, it started at nine, and at ten o'clock, um, we literally shut it off and uh, went to bed. I. Um, they were they were fighting with each other. Um, they couldn't agree. Uh, they they were just um, just all over the place. Nikki Haley uh, got got into it with um, with uh, Scott, um, and uh, they, I mean it was just uh, they they were just 
absolutely all over the place. Ron DeSantis was the only one that that made that 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 made sense uh, when he when he was speaking, and um, uh, I I just don't know, Bob. Well, in in your in your opinion, did any candidate move the needle against Trump? No, 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 I don't. Well, I think if anybody did move the needle, and it was a small percentage, I would say that Ron DeSantis did because he was making very clear, salient points. Um, but you know, he's so far down down the the line there. Right. Um, I don't know how any of them would possibly, um, you know. But then again, I on this I don't know. I mean, I'm asking you. I mean. I mean, depending on all of the indictments that, that Trump has and what happens with them and everything, I, I think that's the only thing that could or would move the needle. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. But the, the um, uh, it, it was just, um, I looked over at Chris, she looked at me and I, and I said to her, I said, you ready? She just nodded her head and I just like shut it off. Yeah. Just couldn't, couldn't do any more of that. Well, Linda, um, Linda stayed up and watched a little bit after I went to oh, bed. Oh, good for her. Yeah, so she <laughs> said, she, she said Bob, it was just an S show. If you know, you could feel it. Yeah, it was. It really, it, it really, it really was. Uh, and the moderators, I mean, you can't blame them, but I did learn something, Bob. Um, at one time, Dana Perino, who I like, um, they were yelling and, and carrying on, and she said, um, especially, uh, uh, is it, is it, uh, uh, not Burnham, uh, uh, the governor from, uh, um, South Dakota, North Dakota or whatever yeah, it is anyway. Burnham, yeah. He just, Burnham. He, he just kept interrupting and interrupting and interrupting. And finally, Dana Perina said, listen, you, you, you just can't do that or I'm going to cut your mic. And I really don't want to do that. I never realized I kept saying all the time, and I'd even tell you, why don't they just do it more often and just say, Hey. When the time bell goes, give them an extra five seconds, ten seconds, and then say, okay, time's up. And if they keep talking, cut the mic. I think they're afraid to do that for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so, uh, the, the, the point of disappointment for me is, yeah. as I understand it, the topic of Bidenomics, if it came up, it was very rare or very slight. So uh, those yeah. moderators, that's the number one thing on people's minds right now is the fact that they don't have enough money to, to pay their bills, and it's because oh, of inflation. And uh, right. it, it's the number one topic that should have been discussed last night. They did They did discuss that. I mean, they, they uh, quite a few of them did discuss that. It's like, how do, we, you know, how do people going to pay their bills? And uh, um, huh. they, they, they did that for a while. But um, and then they talked about education and on our kids and what have you. So um, and then and then coming back to our little lovely city of uh, of Naples. So um, we we talked about last week a little bit. Gary Price is, is absolutely definitely announcing um, has his campaign committee and uh, he he's ready to go. Great. Um, so what what shows up in the mail and it's the same thing year after year. The Citizens for Preserving Naples, okay? Now, you don't know who they are because they they don't put their names there, right? And they write this article. Actually, there's two different groups. Um, and yesterday, they, they came out with one or the other day, and it says, City of Naples CFO says the new 23-24 budget is something council should be proud of, okay? So then, as you read down there, um, the finance director gave a good report about the budget, you know, and then they said um, something about, oh, former councilman Gary Price publicly admonished 
city council on increasing the mill rate after a hurricane. But it was pointed out that Mr. Price had voted for an even larger increase to the mill rate, 1.18, after Hurricane Irma, which was passed at the time. And then they gave uh, uh, Ted, um, Ted, Blankenship, Ted Blankenship a little bit of a, a zing. And you can see exactly where they're going. I mean, you can read right between the lines that they're, they're Heitman, they're old Naples people. Uh, who are running it, but you never see their names. You never see, huh. well, just who is the citizens uh, for preserving Naples? They don't preserve anything. All they do is, uh, it's a way of advertising their candidates, but they're very sneaky, very sneaky in the way they do it. And then there was one more uh, during the week. It's a tax group now. Um, I, I couldn't find, I was looking for it this morning. It's called the the, uh, the Naples um, uh tax group, and they are sending um, little blurbs out uh, uh, about candidates and whatever. And so um, uh, it, it'll be interesting, but you know what? It's sad to see the same thing again. Yeah, it, it is. Just, in my opinion, and uh, I realize that I'm probably in a minority about this, but right now we've uh, our school board's elections are going to now have declare uh, the the party that you're affiliated with. I think that's a good idea for city council as well because that's one of the ways you can obfuscate uh, your positions on uh, running for city council. Right, right. So I, I just um, it just made me sad to see this, and you can just read right between the lines. Yeah. Say, Oh, geez, here we go again. But um, as I say, um, uh, uh, Gary is definitely ready to announce, and uh, I think within the next um, couple of weeks we'll uh, we will we will see some action. Yeah, and, I will say uh, for our listeners' benefit, Gary Price, outstanding city council member. I'm sure he's been on on city council for at least ten years. Uh, oh yeah, I um, yes, yeah, he he certainly has. He served. Uh, Quite a few terms. He was on the planning advisory board. Uh, he was head chair of our finance uh, committee. He's just so well well respected and well liked in this community. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm I'm really really happy that he's running. I, so, I'm, I can't vote in the city of Naples because I don't live in the city of Naples. But I must say, Gary Price is a great leader. And I, if I had the choice, I would vote for him, and I certainly do support his candidacy. Yeah, I, I think um, it'll be good to get him on your show one day. I think absolutely. Yeah. Again, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, always appreciate your up to date and most interesting commentary on what's happening here locally and internationally and nationally. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, thank you, and have a wonderful day. Take you care. as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for you tomorrow, including William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture, will be joining us, as well as Ryan Young, senior economist with the uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute. Look forward to his feedback on what's happening with the government shutdown. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll support our sponsors and uh, tell your friends. That's one of the ways that we support uh, the show and can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>